1: What's going on everybody and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel where I am joined by none other than Bears Banter's Bill Zimmerman as we've got to talk about a subject that's become a strange one over the Bears media landscape as Jason La Canavera and before him Warren Sapp and these occasional, I I don't want to call them outlier voices, but Bill, like semi-prominent voices within the NFL landscape in one way or another are suggesting that the Bears are looking to trade Justin Fields. And honestly, I just can't quite understand it. Call me a fan. But what do you think about the rumors at
2: face value? Uh, At face value, I think they're just a bunch of BS. I think, you know, whether you like the Chase Claypool trade or not, That was the point that this franchise committed to Justin Fields. And I know at the time they didn't think they'd have the number one pick. Obviously, I think they thought adding Claypool and and the way Fields and that offense was humming that they had maybe an outside shot at the playoffs, but at least thought they were going to be winning seven, eight games and not the collapse that they had. But this team has shown the franchise has shown no, you know, since that Claypool trade, they haven't shown anything that that Fields is not their guy. And look, I get the idea that, you know, you have the number one pick, you have the number one pick, you got to take the top quarterback. Like, I get that. But I think Justin Fields, the Ohio State prospect, is probably, including Bryce Young, is probably better than all these quarterback prospects. I don't think, you know, if, if we're a year from now, right, and Caleb Williams is the presumptive number one pick and the Bears are sitting at number one with Justin Fields, if it was that year and not this year, I think there would actually be a legitimate debate because Caleb Williams has a little Patrick Mahomes in him. And I think people think he's going to be that special, but with this group of quarterbacks, it, it is, it is ridiculous. And, you know, in terms of the two guys that, that you've brought up there, Warren Sapp, no one's going to take away anything he did on the football field. You know, he's, he's a hall of famer, <laughs> but he stunk. I'm just going to say it. He stunk as an NFL analyst. He's a terrible guy. And he's trying to get his name back out there. And Jason Locke and Fora, the best thing I've ever heard about Jason was, and Fora was, I'm not going to say who it was, but there was an NFL person um, who said, uh, you know, when I brought his name up, this is years ago, this is like five years ago, and I was at an NFL event and I brought his name up, and, and the guy had had a couple too many, and he goes, you mean Jason La Firma? And, and I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, Adam Schefter breaks the stories, and Jason LaCanfora confirms the stories. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wouldn't put too much stock into either of those two guys, but I, I certainly don't see anything on the tea leaves that suggests that Fields is going to be on another team next year.
1: Well, I mean, Bill, that's the strangest part about it, isn't it? Let's pretend for a moment, because I like to think both of us are relatively publicly behind Justin Fields, but let's pretend that we both thought he's not the franchise quarterback. Right. Why is Bryce Young, the guy who's known for potentially not having an NFL frame, suddenly the guy who's going to stand behind an offensive scheme that produced 15.3% sacks? Uh, on a down or on a drop back basis so 15.3 percent of their drop backs became a sack obviously more than that were pressures and we think Bryce Young is going to be the one who's going to turn that ship around like you said this isn't Caleb Williams this isn't uh, Andrew Luck this isn't Trevor Lawrence this isn't Joe Burrow this is a quarterback class that's very pick your favorite for a reason it's four relatively good prospects but no one so generational I mean Bill we overuse the word generational these four prospects are very good this is a much better class than last year where there really wasn't any very good quarterback prospect but there's not a generational quarterback in it with that in mind i can't help thinking that even if we didn't like justin field's Bill riding with justin fields for a year building up the roster around him setting the stage for whoever you may be draft in 2024 still makes more sense than
2: trading justin fields now i mean don't you think so yeah look the only way i would consider trading justin fields is you would have to get a trade offer so fantastic if you're the chicago bears that you would, and I, and again, I don't expect that to happen. And I'm not talking about, oh, well, that's a pretty good one. No, I mean, you would get your doors absolutely blown off. Some team comes in there, you know, the, let's just, let's, uh, the Carolina Panthers, right? The Carolina Panthers come in and tell the Chicago Bears they want Justin Fields and they're going to give you nine they're going to give you Brian Burns they're going to give you next year's first they're going to throw in some second round picks like they give you such an offer that you're like well we might have to actually look at this kind of offer that's not going to happen no nobody's going to do that for a guy who has you know i don't want to call them anemic passing stats but passing stats obviously is what they're going to look at and they haven't seen that and any any of us objective bears fans are going to go we need to see growth in the passing game in 2023 we're not stupid But at the same time, you see the electricity he has with his legs, you see the arm talent. The arm talent is there. I think a lot of us tried to convince ourselves that the arm talent was there with Mitch Trubisky. And you know, so we'd highlight the really good throws. And he had some spectacular throws, don't get me wrong. But we kind of sit there and say, Oh, well, the bad throws? We go, well, he's a young quarterback, and we kind of shove those aside, right? With Justin Fields, the, the the highs are much higher than Mitch Trubisky. They're much higher than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. When you talk about his deep passing numbers, they're not like, oh, well, he's as good as the young No, he, they're as good or better than every other quarterback in the league. I know he has other things that need to come together for him. But the, to consider a, a guy who's made as many strike, he grew a ton as a player last year. If you're Ryan Poles coming into this you know, into this situation, and you see what Justin Fields was at the end of 2021 versus what he was throughout 2022, there was significant growth there in the passing game, in the decisions, in, you know, being smarter in the pocket and not, you know, and being smarter with the foot, so many different things where he grew and improved upon. It just, it makes no sense to trade him, like I said, unless you get an offer so preposterous, you know, that you sit there and go, well, we have to actually look at this.
1: And especially since, Bill, I can't help but feel like some of the conversation surrounding this is a bit on the disingenuous side. I mean, like, let's really talk about the elephant in the room, right? A lot of the same people saying, ah, the Bears have to trade Justin Fields. Like, how could you pass on Bryce Young? Are suddenly posting photoshops of Justin Fields in a Jets uniform saying, ooh, could you imagine Justin Fields on that New York Jets team? And it's like, well, not if you think he's bad enough to trade. I mean, in what world where the Bears would receive a haul for trading this young quarterback does it ever make sense to also trade the young quarterback and i'll i'll go at another point bill a lot of people say well you know you'd reset the rookie contract situation if you traded down that first round pick and you received the standard bounty that we've come to expect let's pretend that we're talking about indianapolis's 2024 first they're first this year and their second and we'll just stop there they could probably get more but let's not live in la la land, right? That's three rookie contracts, Bill. That's two first round contracts for the price of one pick. Like There are the same financial savings that come from adding the extra rookie contracts that you get from trading down from number one, that you get from resetting at quarterback. It quarterback's not the only position that you can save money on, and if you don't believe me, ask Washington with how their defensive line is starting to look right now. I mean, there are positions all across the NFL or maybe it's Cincinnati with their receiver room, like positions all across the NFL where you can spend too much. It's not just quarterback. It's not as, it's not that simple right? And as I feel like we we watch these different conversations play out, whether they're online, whether they're in your production room, whether they're at the grocery store in a recent one that I just had, like it, it feels as if a lot of people have decided that the Bears are in a spot that I don't think they're actually in. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I want to go back to one thing you just brought up there, and that's the resetting the rookie contract. And I th- I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago and they kind of changed my thinking about that. Cause I brought up the rookie contract resetting and how to rebuild and all that stuff. He goes, he goes, you're, you're looking at that wrong. And this is an NFL person who knows what they're talking about. He said, the rookie contract is valuable because it's not just that you're getting a quarterback cheap. You're getting a quarterback who's going to outperform his contract, right? Jalen hurts is outperforming his contract. Trevor Lawrence is outperforming his contract. Daniel Jones, right now, Daniel Jones is outperforming his contract. And therefore those teams get put in positions to succeed. That's the key. So when you extend a quarterback and you give him gobs of money, what happens? They still need to outperform the contract. Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't matter how much money you give him, will outperform his contract. Kyler Murray did not outperform his contract. The Cardinals are in the toilet, right? Deshaun Watson, just one year in, I understand the suspension, everything, did not outperform his contract. The Browns were in the toilet. That's, and now you look at the Giants, and now you're hearing Daniel Jones won $45 million a year. If the Giants give Daniel Jones that kind of level of money, he's not going to outperform the contract. At least I don't think so, and I think most people would agree. That's what puts you behind the eight ball. So it's not necessarily the need to take advantage of that rookie contract window for your quarterback. It's that you need to make sure your quarterback is good enough to outperform his contract. And if you end up with a Kyler Murray, if you end up with a Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, these kind of purgatory quarterbacks who aren't, you you know, you can win with them if everything goes right, but you really can't win with them. That's where you get in trouble giving quarterbacks 45 million dollars a year. So, as long as your quarterback is at that elite level, Joe Burrow is going to get an obscene contract this offseason and no one's going to sit there and be like, "Well, the Bengals are screwed" because Joe Burrow is going to outperform that contract. So, I've taken a different look at that and and look, Justin Fields, we need to see growth. If Justin Fields is a guy throwing for 2200 yards, 15 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, but is running the ball dynamically, you may not be able to pay that guy $45 million a year. Now I expect fields to continue to grow and not have those kind of passing numbers, but I I've changed the way I think about that. And I'm not that focused on the rookie contract anymore, but again, the idea of making sure, you know, you have, obviously you want every player to outperform their contract from from a franchise perspective, but you need to have it at the quarterback position. It's a must.
1: That's a good way to put it, Bill. The rookie quarterback contract scenario is more an admission by a lot of people that they don't believe in a fair deal for a quarterback, right? That you're either a Hall of Fame level player making Patrick Mahomes money, but winning Super Bowls in a quote unquote rebuilding year, according to him, or you're... Jimmy Garoppolo, or let's take an even better example. The Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed contract. A lot of people said there was just no way Kirk Cousins was ever going to live up to it. And Bill, since then, what's happened? I mean, the legends of the game have, in large part, stepped away. No more Drew Brees, no more Philip Rivers, no more soon-to-be, no more Aaron Rodgers. Fingers crossed. No more Tom Brady. Like, all of a sudden, Bill, Kirk Cousins went from a top-15 quarterback To a clear top 10 quarterback, the top 10, just the definition changed, right? Right. And so, is he outperforming his contract, though? I mean, that play at the very end of the game is unfair, but it's the Kirk Cousins play we've all come to see, right? And Dak Prescott is another example of this, where it's like you scored 12, 15 points against San Francisco with a third string rookie coming out and scoring just enough to wiggle by you. You're making $40 million. It's it's an interesting thought process, like you're talking about, where in a world where quarterbacks didn't stand to make, I mean, Bill, how long is it going to be till they're being paid fifty million dollars a year, like the normal ones, right? Yeah. The wage scale's rising in a hurry. So by the time Fields is getting his extension, is he going to be a fifty million dollar a year guy? Like, is that going to be the new price ceiling? Who, who could live up to that? I mean, truly, who could live up to that? But a Hall of Famer, but. In a world where maybe quarterbacks agreed to, let's call it fair market value, I doubt we'd obsess so much over whether a rookie who usually isn't ready for at minimum a year could raise the team any further. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And that's that's where the value of the rookie contract is because it's so low. I mean, look, in 2018, forget the other years, in 2018, Mitch Trubisky outperformed his contract. Easily. Like We, we can sit there and, and poke fun at him all we want. But he outperformed his contract in 2018. Daniel Jones did it this year, and that's why we saw the Giants make the playoffs. Purdy you know, you bring up his Kirk contract. Cousins. What's that? Purdy outperformed his contract, obviously. obviously. Obviously, and and that's the thing. When you see these quarterbacks step in and play at a level higher than what they're getting paid for, the entire team wins ball games. Like, and when they don't, they lose ball games. It's. Yeah. I don't want to make it that black and white, because I'm sure there's some gray area ones where you're like, well, what about this one? And and sure, I'm sure there's exceptions to the rule, but that's, that's really what it comes down to. So when you're talking about the rookie contract, that's where you're talking about guys like a Kyler Murray, who is a, a good quarterback, but not a fantastic quarterback. When he's on his rookie contract, he's going to outperform that. And therefore you can, you can build things around him in that regard. But when you have to pay him that much money, now he's not outperforming the contract. So that's, that's where that rookie contract is valuable, where maybe you could build a Super Bowl winner around Kyler Murray when he's making $7 million a year, but not when he's making $45 million a year. And, and Kirk Cousins, you know, and I agree, he's top 10 for now. He's going to be like the first guy bumped out of the top 10 once some <laughs> of these young quarterbacks develop, because he is. He is still is Kirk Cousins, and when you have Jefferson and Thielen and Cook and all these toys to play with, I would hope he can have a fantastic statistical year when he did.
1: that's a good way to put it I can't help but think that when we do get back to the discussion of trades though, that it becomes a question of leverage, and I'm honestly, Bill, while I've got you here, curious to hear how you think this is going to play out, because it feels as if there are suddenly a lot of indie fans and a lot of Houston fans that think that the Bears are going to get held to the fire and somehow not end up with a tradeout. And as we see other tweets come out referencing Carolina, referencing Tennessee, referencing other players that may want to get their hands in the mix, like ultimately, Bill, here on February 20th, how do you think this is going to play Playout, do you think the bears are in a decent position and when do you really think that the pot's going to start boiling on some of these other gms another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right.
2: Well, when we're talking about trade, obviously we're talking about a trade for a quarterback. No one's, you know, I love Will Anderson as much as the next guy, but no one's trading up with the Bears to get Will Anderson at number one. They're going up to get a quarterback. So, I mean, the one thing going back to the the field's rumors, people are like, well, the you know, uh, Ryan Poles needs to convince people he wants a new quarterback, right? And that's that's why the Justin – no, no, no. All Ryan Poles has to do is convince someone that the Houston Texans want their quarterback at number two, right? Or that to the Houston Texans that the Colts are going to trade up. And, you know, like basically what the Browns did to, to Ryan Pace with Mitch Trubisky. Well, we <laughs> might just, you know – know, We might convince you that we're going to trade up with with San Francisco and get Garrett and Trubisky, and and Pace went, all right, well, we're just going to trade up and make sure we get our guy. Like That's all that Ryan Poles has to do. He doesn't have to convince people he needs a quarterback. He has to convince people that other teams, especially when you're talking AFC South, when you're talking potentially, I don't know if the Titans will be able to come up that far, but you're talking about the Titans, you're talking about Houston, you're talking about Indianapolis, you're talking about division rivals. If they like the same quarterback, that's all you need to create a you know a seller's market. Now, if that doesn't happen, and if it leaks out that Houston likes Young and Indianapolis likes Levis and Tennessee is going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo or keep Tannehill or something, then then yeah, you're not going to get the same leverage that that Ryan Poles is hoping for. So so right now, I agree with you. It's a decent position. It's obviously it's the position you want having the number one pick, but this is not an amazing situation right now it could turn into an amazing situation. You kind of have to see how things develop. We're still too early in this off season to know for sure. We've got the combine. Combine, there's going to be a lot of people talking, but then it's also going to be where teams really kind of hone in on the quarterback they want. They, I think they have an idea right now. It's, they've been doing their homework, but once they really get a chance to look at some of these guys, have conversations with their team, with the player, you're really going to start seeing teams hone in there. Then you've got free agency because – what happens with Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones? All this is going to impact the interest in the number one pick. They Teams, you know, they have to decide, do they want to rebuild or do they want a, a, a rookie quarterback? Like, let's look at the Raiders, for example. The Raiders right now have zero reason to go for a rookie quarterback. But let's say Aaron Rodgers retires. I don't think he's going to do it. Aaron Rodgers just says, I've had it with football. I'm gone. Out he goes. Then Derek Carr signs with the Jets, and Jimmy Garoppolo signs with Washington, and the Raiders are sitting there with nothing. Nothing at all. that happens, suddenly the Raiders are sitting there going, all right, we need Bryce Young or Will Levis or whoever, and they start talking to Ryan Poles. But if they get Aaron Rodgers, they kick their feet up and go, we've got our quarterback. So we're still too early in the process to know exactly how much ammunition Ryan Poles has right now. I I do think this trade is going to, it's not going to be, you know, the day of the Thursday, the day of the first round or Wednesday or Tuesday. I think this trade is going to happen a couple weeks before the trade, you know, before the draft actually happens. You know, I think late March at the earliest is when this trade happens, but we have too many things up in the air right now and the veteran QB carousel has to settle first before we know exactly what teams are going to be interested in the number one pick and who may be vying for the same guy. And that's the key. Because, like you said, we have a bunch of pretty good prospects here with Young. Young, if he was two inches taller and 30 pounds heavier, we wouldn't be generational. Talking about this. But mm-hmm. he's got a slender frame. Will Levis has all the things that you know that these guys look for as scouts but we haven't really seen it on tape. Anthony Richardson, you know, you hear about everything he could be, but he still has to put it all together. You know, CJ Stroud maybe he's the safer pick of it, you know. Someone told me he's the, you know, the the highest floor, lowest ceiling of the group, so he might be the the safest pick there. So you kind of have to see if two teams like if Houston, this is what you want. If Houston and Indianapolis both fall in love, with Bryce Young or Will Levis, it doesn't matter who, CJ Stroud, They both fall in love with the same quarterback and they go, we need to get this guy because we know if we don't, Houston's getting him. Like you can't, if you're Chris Ballard, you can't allow that, especially when he's finally starting to get a little bit on the hot seat in Indianapolis here, as we can tell the way this has gone the last six six to eight months for, for Indianapolis. So that's what we need to see. We're not there yet. So, I mean, we're still probably a good three weeks away, I would say, until we really kind of know what the Bears have with that number one pick.
1: And you know, Bill, I can't help thinking about how, look, I'm no draft expert. I'm really starting to dig into it lately. But, Bill, I've been around the block enough times, and I know you've seen it too, to realize that the NFL sees the draft board a little bit differently than I think a lot of us get to, where we hear all about these risers, right? We hear about these guys that, wow, they really exploded after the combine. And then you finally get a Greg Gabriel-type scout to talk to you, and they say, we had him on our board weeks ago. Like, I don't know why anybody thought they wasn't going to run fast. at The combine and combine surprise fast is fast, right? With these quarterbacks though, Bill, I can't help thinking about how, w- look, NFL people are smarter than we are. They've forgotten more about football than we will ever, right? But they're still human beings just like we are, Bill, especially guys like Jim Irsay, who he owns a team. He's not. In, or like involved with absolutely everything the team does and bill let's take our minds back to 2020 how easy is it in february to convince yourself that you know what i know the bears are at 20 but it's not that bad they're not that bad there's five quarterbacks one of them are gonna fall like and when and it's gonna be one of the ones that we like that's gonna be great right then march rolls around and oh wh- okay hang on now, after the combine and after some of these pro days, some people are getting pretty excited about a lot of these other quarterbacks, but one of them is probably probably going to fall right and it won't be mac jones mac jones is totally going to get drafted at three we start to make fools out of the other organizations right you start to say well the jets are going to blow the pick and the 49ers i know i know they traded up but they're going to take mac jones because chris sims said so i don't want to believe that they would take our guy and while a miracle happens and sure justin fields falls i can't help but see bill that right now, it's easy for Houston to say, well, we want this guy, and the Bears are going to have to take a defender. And for Indy to say, well, the Bears are going to take a defender. Houston's going to take a quarterback, not the one that we want. Uh, then Arizona is going to take a defender because why? they have a franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. And then we'll get our guy. And then suddenly, Bill, it's March. The combine happens. And report. Adam, so tweets, Adam Schefter, right? Tennessee Titans in deep conversations with Chicago Bears for number one pick. And Ballard calls Ryan Poles, says, Bud you can't do this. Why would you trade with Tennessee? You're going to pass on ba- or Like you're going to pass on. Uh, you're going to pass on Will Anderson. You're going to pass on Jalen Carter. And Ryan Poles says, man, I'm selling a discount at this point. Like, if somebody wants to come up, 2,700 points with the J- Jimmy Johnson chart is plenty. Do you realize, Chris, that that's two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a third-round pick in the future? Like, that's a, that's a haul. What do you want me to do, right? And suddenly, Bill, even just hearing that, is any of it true? Who knows? Who's to say? But how can Ballard just sit there, Right. Like when when all the dominoes start to fall, how does the seat not get warm for some of these guys? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't help thinking that when the trade down situation really heats up, that there's going to be a deal to be made. It may not be historic, but it will be a deal to be made. And based on the value of the number one pick, it can't not help the Bears. Right.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, wh- whatever ends up happening, even if it's not as much as some Bears fans are hoping for, and I've said this before and I think you've said it and a lot of people have said it, don't just sit there and play with the draft simulators and make <laughs> a trade and be like, that's what the Bears should get because the draft simulators, I mean, there's there's a little Madden football in there, especially the early days of Madden when they finally allowed trades and you could just get, you know, a- anybody for a couple draft picks. Like, the, the the offers that they accept or that they propose on that simulator are not a lot of times in the realm of reality. So those those are things that, that you have to keep in mind when people are sitting there, like the, you know, the, the consensus, I think right now, if the bears make a trade with the Colts, right. Is that they'll get the, you know, the Colts will get one and the bears will get four, their second round pick and, and a first round pick uh, the following year. Like you, you kind of said that there's that's kind of the consensus as an acceptable trade. Can the Bears get that first round pick next year? I I don't know. It kind of depends on how hot that pick gets. But when fans are also sitting there going, oh, that's not enough. They need Quentin Nelson or they need, you know, Michael Pittman thrown in the trade as well. Like that. that's where you start sitting there going, you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So I I would sit there and say, be careful that whatever happens is going to be a good thing for the Bears. You know, it's going to help the franchise significantly, but it is not this slam dunk that they're going to reap picks upon picks upon picks (laughs) and and, you know you know players that are going to be contributing day one you know veteran players because of this (laughs) this trade like it's like we got to just simmer it down a little bit three
1: three draft picks three three draft halls worth of picks all in one trade no i completely understand and we'll close this up with One final question that I know I'm putting you on the spot for Bill, so I'll tell you it ahead of time and stall for you. But (laughs) if if the Bears aren't going to trade for Justin Fields, which position, if you had to guess, do you think that they're most likely to trade for a player for? Because I can't help thinking that I was talking to uh, Eric Eager on Twitter the other or just the other day about this where the Bears have such a heavy mandate to spend that you have to wonder how could they possibly spend effectively on just the players on the open market and on their already bear roster so if they were going to say sign and pay or I guess it would be trade and pay for a player you don't have to name the player but what position would you
2: be looking at I'd say it's a slam dunk wide receiver that's that's where it is because there is not a top receiving target available to the Chicago Bears right now maybe Chase Claypool was their big move I hope it wasn't but maybe Chase Claypool was their big move and you know polls is going to sit there and go you know we'll we'll have Claypool we'll have Mooney uh you know we'll we'll sign Jacoby Myers who I do like you know we have you know Saint Brown like that that's what we're going to go with but we'll 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 extend Cole and we'll, we'll grow together as Fields gets better. I hope that's not the plan. <laughs> but to me, you sit there and go, and, and we don't know who these players are going to be right now. And, and I did an article, I think it was last week, at Windy City Gritter, and kind of going, kind of what were the rumbles in, in Arizona. So I'll give a name. And I'm not saying he's going to become available. But I think if there is a high-end wide receiver, a guy who I consider, and I think a lot of people consider, a wide receiver one even though he doesn't currently have that title with his team. It's T Higgins. Now, I know, you know, Ayuk is a guy people have heard. I've never heard anything that San Francisco is trying to get something for Ayuk right now. But the Bengals and the 49ers operate differently. And the Bengals could sit there and go, all right, we're going to give Joe Burrow gobs of money here. We have to pay Jamar Chase $30 million plus next year. So they could you know, plan on paying Chase what they they need to pay him, give T. Higgins a, you know, let him play out this year and then franchise tag him next year. And you can keep Burrow, Chase, and Higgins together for two more years. But then you're going to lose T. Higgins for nothing. Or you could trade T. Higgins this offseason and get potentially a first-round pick, maybe two seconds. Like, you'll be able to get something very good for T. Higgins if you try and trade him this year. So that, to me, is the position... Where like the Bears can go out and you know get a a solid edge trading for an edge something like that is risky. They're not going to trade for a linebacker. I don't see them trading for an offensive lineman when guys like McGlinchey potentially are are available out there. I, I don't you know they're not going to trade for a running back. They're not going to trade for a tight end. They like Cole Komet. So you know defensive back. You know if Jalen Ramsey becomes available, could they make a trade for Jalen Ramsey? Something like that? Maybe, maybe at, at cornerback. But to me. It's obvious that the position is wide receiver if one of those really high end guys like, you know, we didn't think Tyreek Hill, you know, was going to get traded. We didn't think a lot of these guys top, you know, A.J. Brown, all these guys were going to be moving teams like they did. So if that kind of players start becoming available for trade, that's exactly where Ryan Poles needs to be looking. And like I said, right now, the guy I would be keeping an eye on is T. Higgins in Cincinnati.
1: I mean, Bill, to your point, like the NFL in many cases is run by, let's call them old heads, and that's not a derogatory term. Respect your elders, of course, but it's hard for everybody to advance like within football psychology all at the same time, right? We all have different understandings of which position we think is most important. Is it the defensive interior rusher like Aaron Donald or is it still the edge rusher like Khalil Mech? It'll differ depending on who you ask. And I can't help but think Bill that there are some people around the NFL. Look, I don't I can't point fingers and pick who they are. We can just look at the Tyreek Hill trade and I think you'll we'll both agree Clearly, the Chiefs did not think that there is a world that should exist where you pay a wide receiver $30 million. Clearly, the Packers thought generally the same thing, though they didn't really have a ton of cap space to do it either. Are the Bengals one of those teams that think we can't, maybe we could make an exception for this one guy, Jamar Chase, who we drafted in the top 10, but a second rounder? I'm not paying a second rounder more than $25 million a year. I'm just not doing it. And I'm not paying two of them either. Does San Francisco, you mentioned Ayuk. I feel like the writing's more on the wall than anything. An Ayuk could very easily be a trade target next year on his fifth year option, where San Francisco could let it ride for one more year, because certain goodness knows they've got crazy weapons. But maybe, to your point, Bill, the offer that they can't refuse just isn't that high, right? Where there are some guys where you have to offer, I bet, obviously, Joe Burrow's untradeable. But I'm sure if you offered the Bengals like three first round picks, for I can't think of a good player that this fits, but. There's some player out there that you could make an absurd offer for. Maybe it's Chris Jones from Kansas City, where if you traded them your whole war chest, they might just give you the player because it'd be like the Herschel Walker trade, right? The the price you cannot refuse. But the price that the San Francisco may not be able to refuse for Ayuk, who's to say it's all that high? We don't know. And we won't know, right? Right. <laughs> because uh, it, it, like, we'll just sit on the sidelines. But I tend to agree with you where – The Bears are in a unique position in that if they do uh, get some future first, especially if they get that Indianapolis first, Marvin Harrison Jr. is legitimately in play, but that's that's a two-year plan bill like that's that's a plan where not only are you now betting on marvin harrison to play next year but you're expecting him to play excellent ball as a rookie it could take him at least a year to really acclimate i can't help but feel like even though they've got mooney due for an extension uh chase claypool technically due for an extension they've got some receivers that they could pay with a free agent that they'll likely bring in Trading for and paying another ride receiver does make a lot of sense. It's just a matter of whether the price is right. But Bill, thank you so much for coming on. What do you have coming up that we can be following?
2: Uh, well, you know, I've been contributing a lot more as the deputy editor on Windy City Gridiron, so you can look for any any articles I have dropping there. I'll have a, a few in the hopper this week. I promise people uh, there should be no more Matt Nagy news. There will be no more Matt Nagy articles some of them were just to have a little fun with people, but you know, when the former Chicago Bears coach in a year goes from getting fired to a quarterback coach, to winning a Super Bowl, to being promoted to offensive coordinator, I think it's worth an article. So <laughs> but we'll, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be doing that. And obviously podcasting, you know, it, it, not, not doing weekly right now, but you know, just did a bunch of stuff uh, from Arizona. If you want to check that out, talk to Colt Komet. Talk to Bobby Okereke, who I think is a great target for the Bears at, at linebacker. Uh, you know, uh, we talked to Seth Rollins, WWE superstar, big, big fan of the Chicago Bears. So you can check out Jim McMahon as well. So you can check out those right now on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. And there will be more podcasts on the way as we start really focusing on free agency in the draft.
1: Thanks so much for coming on, Bill. Thanks, Robert.